Well, hello. Welcome to episode two of Let's Engage. I'm your host, Jake Olson, here along with my co-host, Brendan Egan. We also have our producer and technician in the building with Daniel Hens. We are really excited to bring you a guest that has been a close friend of mine for really my college career. Uh, He really was the first call I got from USC football that welcomed me into the program coming into SC. Uh, He was the head of football operations at the time, uh, Jared Blank. Jared, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, Definitely a a pleasure to be on your podcast, Jake. Yeah, of course, Jared. Uh, we, We appreciate it. So I guess my first question is this, Jared. You come from Washington with Coach Shark to SC, right? Yes, that's correct. And, you know, you grew up a football fan. Now, I just feel like allegiances would start to kind of get blurred. Lines would get blurred. They'd get mixed. Like, who, who do you root for? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I, I always back the pack right now, Jake. Uh, <laughs> you got to back the pack 12 for sure. That, that comes first. Okay, right. Uh, right. And then... Uh, you got to root for the student athletes whose program you're a part of at the at the current moment. I think that's important. Okay, but now now that you're out of that that role, who do you root for? I, I back the pack. You're not. No, you, I, how many times? I, am I gonna, how many times are going to ask this question until I get the, just the word Trojans out of you? You know, I. I I'm a Pac-12 guy. I root for Yogi oh Roth in the Pac-12. <laughs> he, he sounds like a politician, right, Jake? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, Jerry. So, so tell us. Okay, so you you grow up. I'm a Jake, I'm a Jake Olson fan. I'm, I'm always repping 61. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I'll, I'll take that. By okay. the way, that was one of my favorite moments uh, working was was the interaction with you and, and giving you that call. Like that. I don't know that. You get very few selected moments, I think, in, in working in sports, and that definitely goes down as one. Well, appreciate it, Jerry. I, I, I had to be, to be completely candid. I didn't under I, I, I didn't have any understanding of really what it was supposed to be like going to SC on the football team. I remember. I think I, I don't know if you remember this. I think I asked you if I needed to, like bring my own cleats or something. You're like, no, we, we got those up here. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Yes, we do provide cleats. <laughs> Both programs I worked at, we provide the cleats to the athletes. Well, that's good. That, that's that's good. I'll, I'll we'll take them while we can, I guess. Um, but so you grow up. So what? How did? How do you become part of a collegiate program in operations? I mean, that that seems kind of like a specific job. You know, you didn't you didn't play college football yourself. So how how do you how do you kind of get that heart for the student athlete to come in and, and run a program? Oh, definitely. Um, so I actually, I started in the athletic medicine. I was a student intern. I was kind of trying to figure out what career path I was looking at in college and was taking some kinesiology classes and was learning about athletic training and didn't have a direction, but I knew I wanted to do something in sports early on, even before I attended college. And through those internships, kind of figured out what I liked and, uh, Luckily, uh, a position opened up in Coach Carroll's administration uh, two days after I graduated and began working uh, for USC football. That's awesome. That, that, that is awesome. And, and so you, and you, you, you graduated in what at, in USC? I study, I ended up studying communication. Communication. Now it says you, you have you have two masters, yes? 
Yes, I got a communication management degree from USC while I was working on staff there. And then when I was up at Washington, I got my master's in business administration from Seattle Pacific University. Well, we'll talk about that a little later about just how much of a feat that really is, you know, me being uh, you having dyslexia and everything, man. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But just one more question kind of with football. I've always kind of wondered, Jared, you know, what was the most rewarding thing? Because, you know, you, I remember, you know, calling you every night, wanting to eat dinner with you. And, you know, obviously you're a really cool guy and everything. But like, what, what's the most rewarding point about football operations, just given that you're, you're working around a bunch of student athletes who are just, you know, swamped with school and, and trying to play football. And obviously our 18 to 21, 22 year olds who are still trying to find kind of their footing in life. Like what what's the most rewarding for you working with kids like that? Well, besides watching Cubs games with you on the, on the TV <laughs> while we're eating dinner, uh, you know, I think the really the real rewarding thing is you're around young people that have dreams and that have ambition and being able to play even the smallest role in supporting those endeavors uh, on any level. I think that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah. And and you know, I look at the student athlete. Student athletes, the job title. But it's really who they are as people and connecting with that person and reminding them that they're a human being first and the student athlete is just the title that they have at the current moment. Yeah. Well, you certainly learned a thing or two if you didn't have it in yourself already about following dreams and ambitions. The coolest thing about Jared Blank is that he actually left USC uh, football operations to chase his, I guess, long, long uh, waiting dream of becoming a professional runner and run he has. Uh, Jared, do you, do you keep track of your miles like a car, like a car speedometer does? Or, or I mean, what, 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 like, do you have something, a general, I guess, average of, of the miles you've run in the last 10 years? Well, I'm going to give you one correction. I definitely, I definitely don't classify myself as professional, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the compliment. Um, definitely an amateur endeavor, but the, actually, this last year was the first year that I, I tracked all my miles, and I reached a goal of. 3,000 plus. So that was that was pretty exciting for me. So across the continental US. Yeah, exactly. From like about LA to New York or Portland to Boston area, I guess. Run, Jared, run. I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> I... I, I, I can't even I cannot even imagine that and it, I I don't know what amateurs running some of these some of these events you do tell tell us I mean I don't even know I, like the the seven the 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 uh, what is it the world marathon challenge yeah I mean, the world like Mar I don't world marathon challenge I don't like that's not amateurism right there I mean I if amateurs try that they die. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a special event. I mean, I had followed that through the first year that they did it, and I, I saw the event on ESPN, and I told my family I wanted to run it. And well, they okay, all well, first it. first explain explain the listeners what it is, and then you tell us tell us about that that journey. <laughs> Definitely. So the World Marathon Challenge is seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. And so it's 183 miles over the course of uh, a week, which is 168 hours. So the endeavor starts in Antarctica. And what they do is they wait till they know that plane can take off. And then they start the 168 hour clock. Oh my God. 
gosh. <laughs> so, are you what in Antarctica? In Antarctica, you're running in in, in what temperature? So. I believe it was minus five Celsius, which is like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's an interesting course because you're doing uh, 10K loops. And on part of the course, you're like indirect sunlight going uh, on a slight incline. And then as you turn the corner, you have a headwind, you're going on a decline, but you have a headwind. So you're still getting resistance. And th at that point, it's really cold. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know, have you ever played Mario Kart? Yes. You know the like the ice blue patches that you would see on the ground during the ice races? <laughs> yeah, that you couldn't hit or you'd be frozen. Yeah, or, or that you'd at least like spin out. There is yeah. definitely those uh, on the course. Jared, what do you guys do in Antarctica to stay warm in that? I, I, I know the Houston Marathon was just last week and it was historically cold. I was I was just one of the runner that I follow on Instagram, Tommy Ribs. He he had hypothermia. He dropped during the race. His body temp was 91 degrees. I mean, what what do you what do you do to stay warm in those conditions? How do you how do you deal with it physically and mentally? Uh, well, the luckily thing we we were we were where we were at. There's these bunkers that we could kind of hang out in, and before the race started, uh, which was helpful to like actually have warmth uh, in an enclosed environment, but once you get going yeah that's a real tricky part about it because if you start sweating and you know this the sweat evaporates that you do get cold so it was one of the challenges luckily i had some pretty good gear uh from i had these uh tabio socks that i, I wore and that the keep kept my feet warm and so i really just tried to keep the feet and hands warm while uh while running okay so so then you know you have south america north america australia asia europe so like where so you can just list off the places you ran and kind of like were you, were you in jungles were you on in, in <laughs> urban no, areas it was, <laughs> it was mostly road um, okay. road or uh, boardwalk type location so we started in nova antarctica and then we went to cape town south africa uh then hit perth australia dubai Lisbon in Portugal and then we flew to Cartagena South America uh, that was Colombia and then we finished in Miami Florida so how, like the last mile in Miami like I remember seeing some posts on on Facebook just how like your body was literally just like trying to give up <laughs> yeah the body was trying to give up the mind kept wanting to go and it was one of those moments where like almost didn't want it to end i remember being a half mile out and i was like okay it's gonna be cool to finish but at the same time i'm not ready for it all to be done so it was that it was that definitely that personal battle <laughs> that i had inside of me because i i love running and i love competing and gosh once you hit that finish line you know the endeavor is over well so so how long did it take for you to, to run again after seven marathons in seven days like 24 hours and you're freaking on a treadmill again or what <laughs> well i actually incurred an injury in this competition and so it took about 10 days after the the last race for me to be able to run again i had i'd done something to my it band in the third race at mile 22 uh, in perth australia to where my left side was all locked up oh i didn't gosh. really have a rotation so how the, how, how the hell do you run four more races? 
Well, so I hobbled back, to, uh, you know, I hobbled on it for the four miles to finish the race in Perth. And then I'd been doing various rehab and icing and hot treatments just to get the leg to, to loosen up. But it, it would be really unstable. I was able to run to like mile 23 or mile 22 at some points, and then it would lock up again. And then I would just have to like mm. find a way to hobble through it. And then in Miami, I learned that I can just plant the leg and run on it, which is pretty painful. But once I figured it out, I could kind of navigate it a little bit better. Oh my Lord. So would you say that's the hardest competition slash race you've been a part of or what like what's the hardest you've been a part of so I, I it's definitely up there i did my first hundred mile race in tahoe this summer which ha had altitude and heat issues uh and it ended up taking me 31 hours to complete 31 hours plus to complete that and that was a really challenging event as well so I, I think between those two they're definitely probably the two toughest that i've done so far so, so what's what's your mindset like when you're running all, all this time i mean obviously you have a lot of time to to yourself and to kind of just roll through thoughts like what what, what goes through your mind you know from mile 10 to mile 20. you know it's really at that point is the most fun for me because you have all the time leading up to a competition where you got to think about logistics and planning and all that stuff but once you're in it to me that's the point where okay i've towed up and i'm in this thing and then it's just reminding myself how much i enjoy it and then to continue on in the process no matter so what happens and is that kind of your philosophy and mindset then that that comes in life because you know what's really cool is that jared you know has dyslexia and as is is running you know in, in many of his cases to raise awareness and funds for dyslexia so you know jared i mean what like through throughout school throughout races i mean you know obviously you know i you both you and i both know how just much it is uh you know to to overcome adversity and that kind of that mindset you have to make the decision of just continuing to run continue to push through you know pain or struggles that come with whatever life throws at you so i mean what, what's that mindset for you no i think definitely and i'm i mean the it, i think it becomes more mental at that point than it does physical and uh to really endure what's going on and accept what's going on and then to find a way out of it or to find a way to compete in it is is the next step. And I think the two for me have always been applicable between endurance running and dealing with dyslexia. I mean, one of the ways I dealt with dyslexia was I would put on my shoes and literally run out the door when I was younger for however long I could run. And some, you know, when at that point it was like maybe two to four miles and then through doing that, I learned that I really actually had a passion for running. And once I learned that it was enjoyable and fun and a place to explore, those miles became longer and longer. Jared, I was I was doing my research, and and uh, one of the things that gave me goosebumps was I was I was looking at your website, 
And there's a quote on here. It says at age 12, which is, as, as, as most of our listeners know, age 12 was a big age for Jake. That's, that's when he lost his sight. Um, at age 12 for you, there's a quote on here. It says from your teachers told you, quote, you probably won't graduate high school. And the next thing on your website says that you graduated as class president and, and at the top of your class, went to USC. And, and as Jake mentioned earlier, you went on and, and earned your degree from USC and then two master's degrees. Um, what was it like growing up with that? What were some of the, you know, with, with any sort of debilitating, you know, illness or disease or anything that holds you back, there's there's there, there's pros and cons to it. What were, what were some of the pros and cons and, and what helped you driving forward in life? Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting parallel too and and with jake's story as well um on a definitely different level when you when i got that feedback you know like it's probably gonna you know probably not gonna graduate or don't expect higher than c average i think it developed this chip on my shoulder and through high school i carried that weight because there was always that uncertainty of like well, am I going to go farther than high school? What's going to happen next? And I think that contributed to the to the to the work ethic of my high school experience and having that in the back of my mind. And I remember after freshman year, I had decent grades, and the person that leads the resource room came up to me and she's like, "So, have you thought about what colleges you might want to go to?" And I didn't even think that that was possible. And so all I could list was the schools that I've seen in the NCAA tournament, because that's the only you know type of school that I was following at, at that time in my life. So I really think it was a catalyst for wanting to essentially prove that I was capable of doing more than what was said on paper. Awesome. And at, at, at oh, what point ahead. did you decide? So, 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 did you apply to uh, to schools other than USC, or, or what was USC always your number one pick? Uh, I, I think we've come full circle, by the way, Jared. I think we've gone from Pac-12 to to you saying that USC is is your favorite school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm gonna say I'm back to Pac, and I'll always wear 61 now that Jake Olson uh, uh, wore that number. But where where USC came into play, and, and it was really interesting, was my oldest brother went to SC really because he wanted to study business and it, it was a great business school and my it's in the blood um, it was in the blood yep and my middle brother went there uh, I think he saw the experiences that my oldest was having and I really wanted to go to SC because I said if those two guys could do it so can I and it was really a, a proving ground for me and I don't know if that again I don't know if that's a positive or negative but it, it's the reason I chose it uh, in part because I wanted to work in sports, you know, in the LA environment. So I knew that, but the other real part of it was I wanted to prove it. So Jerry, so now, now obviously you're, you're doing a lot of this kind of motivational running and again, you, you, you're doing it for a cause, which is just amazing. You know, what, what's, what's kind of next, man, you, you continue to run, you, you want to get kind of speaking and start, you know, really making an impact. And, you know, a lot of kids that were again, in your situation when you were, when you were uh, their age. Oh, definitely want to keep exploring um, ways to support the community. I recognized how fortunate I was to have the support and resources to um, 
uh, engage in school and go on to college and want to be a resource for the students that are that are going through some of the challenges that I dealt with uh, going forward. So definitely want to be an advocate to that community and uh, uh, keep running. And and I really really one of the next things on my list, Jake, is to run a mile with you. Yeah, I I, I know Jared. We uh, Jared has been wanting me to run uh, various races with him. I, I I got down got him to step down from a marathon, kind of do a 5K. Now I'm I'm starting at a mile. So Jared, I'm working on it. Uh, I actually ran a mile on a treadmill. You know, and and I'm not going to mention the time on a Saturday, um, but we I'm working on it, Jared. I'm working on it. Look, running is one of the toughest things out there, in my opinion. It it does take a lot of mental toughness and and strength. Um, you know, that's why I think, you know, for for you to listen out there, for your school or for any, you know, sales team man to get out there, get some fitness going, learn from Jared, learn learn from a. Uh, I know he doesn't want to call himself a pro, but a pro. To, show you how what it, what it takes to get out there man what it takes to to overcome someone telling you that you're not good enough and you know that your body's saying sometimes you can't do it but you you're, you're gonna push through anyways and it's, it's all about that mindset Jared. so we appreciate we appreciate you teaching us that today oh definitely i mean it's really about that i'm proud of you for getting out there on a treadmill and doing a mile it doesn't matter what pace i think getting out there and exploring movement and having fun in the process is really what it's about how so last question just real quick so like if i asked you to run a mile on a treadmill quick like you you would just do it in like five minutes and then just kind of step off and be like hey do you want like you know <laughs> like it's just like, like nothing nothing happened no i, I mean i've not i don't think i've run a five minute mile in a, in a while so we're probably looking in the sixes if if, if, I'm, if I'm in that in that space and I don't know how tired I would be after just running one. If I ran as hard as I could, you know, obviously we'll be a little tired, but I, I feel like my miles kind of my warm up. So that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's your point. <laughs> Jake, I think, I think, I think, I think, Jake, I think something's becoming clear here. Next time we have Jared back on the show, I, th- I think we all need to do this interview running on a treadmill. Yeah, I, no. I'm, I'm down. I've done, I've actually did a marathon uh, on a treadmill while doing a facebook live so if you guys want to do it i'm game all right well we're gonna we're gonna severely cut down this interview time then if that's the case but (laughs) but all right jerry thank thank you so much again for joining us uh on let's engage again to book jared or any other of our talent visit letsengage.com uh, again jared is a perfect perfect example of someone again who you, who you want to relate to for your your school or just again for your business whatever you know he's overcome a lot and he's, he's done a lot of cool things in life so go ahead visit letsengage.com to book jared uh and we thank you for listening today and look out for new uh podcasts to be dropping soon thank you everyone thanks so much